You never get a second chance to make a last impression. You, we all know that, don't we? You never get a second chance to make a last impression. Isn't that the way it goes? Uh, how does it go? Oh, but actually that other statement is true too. Because the last chance you get to make an impression will always be the last chance. So you never get a second chance to make a first impression, but it is also true you never get a second chance to make a last impression either. I would ask you a simple question today. Not what is your first impression, but what will be your lasting impression? What will be the lasting impression of your life? What will you be known for? What will you be remembered about? What, what will be the essence of when people think of you that, 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 that swells up within them? <laughs> will they just shake their head and go, oh, brother. Or will there be a, a deep sense of, of warmth? What will be the lasting impression of your life? In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, we read some rather staggering words about this little section. If you want to remember correctly, this is part of a, a chiastic series of statements that... Uh, conclude the book of Samuel. And uh, we've, we've noticed that uh, the first series in this chiastic series is how David dealt with his failures. He, he starts with a failure. He ends with a failure. The first failure is not his own, but someone else's. The last failure is his own. Then he moves to his followers, and it deals with how he called his followers and what they became, but then who were his followers and who they were. But then it, it, it finishes in on his faith. And in chapter 22 of Samuel, which is repeated in Psalm 18, or actually we probably should say Psalm 18 is repeated in uh, 2 Samuel 22, however you want to look at that. The, the longest Psalm of David is recorded there. And, uh, and it's, it's a statement about David's faith. And then after that statement about David's faith, we read the, the words that start chapter 23. We read the compliment to Psalm 18. Uh, what, instead of being long, is a rather short compliment. And the short compliment starts with this statement in verse 1 of chapter 23. These are the last words of David. These are really not physically his last words. If you look over in the book of Kings, you'll realize that there are some words there that are said about how he set up Solomon to be king and such that are his actual chronological last words. But these are the words that David wants to be remembered by. This is what David wants to be the lasting statement of his life. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man, 
raised up on high. Uh, In some text, I like it, it it says, I think in in the New King James, it says, says, this is the oracle of David. I I don't know about you, but I just like that word oracle. That just sounds like a big time word, doesn't it? Uh, It's found a number of times in the Old Testament. Almost every time it's found in the Old Testament, it has the notion of carrying with it a prophetic statement. In other words, this isn't just some casual statement that someone made yeah this is what i want to order off the menu that this is the this is the declaration this is the oracle this is the speech this is the prophetic word of david thus saith in fact it's found a number of different times in this idea thus saith the lord i was talking to someone today i i i I was talking to them about uh about who, who's that guy that does the voiceovers in, uh, in Star Wars. They knew the name. Who was it? I think it was Nathan. Toy. Who was the name? I was try- I'm trying to think of that guy. James yeah, James Earl Jones. We need James Earl Jones for this, you know. These are the words of David. I, I just don't have that voice. I, I just don't have it. I'm always kind of bummed out about that, you know. I, I, I get this wimpy voice. I go up for a Moody Pastors Conference. These guys get up there and they just, they just you know, they, they give the announcements and they sound cool. And, 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 you know, I just don't have that voice. I don't have that James Earl Jones voice. You know, the guy that played Darth Vader gave all the lines and he didn't know they were going to voice in James Earl Jones until afterwards. He went to the premiere and it's like, oh, what? These are the last words of the starship enterprise. (laughs) These are the last words of David. The oracle. Now, as as you look at that, it becomes very clear that there's a series of fours. The last words of David, son of Jesse. Thus saith the man, raised up from on high, the anointed of God, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Every one of these statements has the definite article that starts it. In other words, every one of these four descriptors of David are, 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 are noted as being definitive. In other words, this is, this is David. Now, the first thing we notice is that he's the, the son, of, son of Jesse. It was his family. Now, if you remember the story, Samuel goes to anoint this guy. And as he goes to anoint the guy, they have the family gathering. And, and I want to tell you just how significant David was in his family. They had all the brothers there but him. And, and Samuel goes, none of these are the one. So, uh, uh, yeah, there's a, our little brother's out with the sheep. It wouldn't be him, would it? Samuel goes, I don't know. Go find him. Hey, hey, David, come in. We call him Pipsqueak, Shorty. Little brother. That's who he was. He was of an ordinary family, and he was viewed as being the least of them all. David doesn't forget where he started. 
who he was, where God found him. The, the definition of, of his life. He was going to watch the sheep. His brothers went to battle. He watched the sheep. David, son of Jesse. The man who was raised on high. He wasn't on high. He was raised on high. He was was sucked out of his world and he was bing on high. He was moved by God to to another place. God uh, transported him from ordinary to on high. I, I have a friend, and, and I have a number of friends like this, but I, I'm thinking of one particular friend right now. He, was, he, 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 he said, I, you know, I never can think about the day I came to know Christ. I never can think about that day without remembering that I walked out of the room that we were in after I put my trust in Christ, and it seemed as though they had upped the wattage on the light bulbs in the other room. It just seemed brighter. And he said... I, I, I know it wasn't, but it just seemed like everything was brighter. I don't know if any of you had an experience like that when you put your faith and trust in Christ. This guy, though, he was absolutely convinced that in some way God had taken away the sunglasses that had blinded him for all his life, and he could see better than ever before. I don't know if it's true or not, but, but in his heart, he said, you know, I just can't think of that moment without realizing... Man, I could see he was raised on high. David said that, that's a definition. I, I, I cannot think, you know, I, I think of where Paul says in the New Testament over and over again that, 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 that God, who called me, <laughs> he was David, raised on high. And the next thing that David, he was the anointed of the God of Jacob. Now, anointing is a wonderful thing. Uh, we're going to anoint Kim right now. I have this bottle of water, and we're going to pour it over the top of her head. She'll be different than all the rest of us. She'll be wet. Are you ready for this? Sure. Oh, she said, sure. What a nice gal. <laughs> David is saying here that I became uniquely different than anyone else by the special markings of God. I was the anointed. Now, I don't know about you, that water dries fairly rapidly, but oil is a little different than that. Any of you ever get bathed in oil? I I got bathed in oil one time. I was taking the plug out of my uh, my reserve tank for my oil thing and uh, on the bottom of the car, and I'd miscalculated where the bucket needed to be to catch it, and yeah, I got a lot of oil on myself, and, and I, had, I hadn't driven my car very far that morning, Mark. You know, that, it burned, and, and it got on me, I, and, and, and uh, I can't remember for sure, but I, I, I think Charlene wouldn't let me in the house. The anointed. God put his mark on me. 
And then the sweet psalmist of Israel. Ah. Uh, this little word sweet is, is used, it, it, there's a number of different words. I, I, I had them all written down in my office and I, I meant to write them down in my notes and they probably are in my notes somewhere if I could just find them. But uh, that, that word sweet, uh, the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. That word pleasant and that word sweet are the same word. Pleasant, sweet, and there's, there's another word that it's translated that's a very common little statement from Scripture and such, but that's the notion of that word. And so we could just say the word good, but not good in that I'm good at writing psalms. It's, it's what he's saying is uh, I, it's, it's, it's been, a, it's been a, a glorious, a sweet, uh, a pleasant, a marvelous experience. The sweet psalmist. By the way, that word psalmist is not the word king. That word psalmist is not the word general. That word psalmist is not soldier. That word psalmist is the word psalmist. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Blessed is man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful. If there's one thing I want to be known for, David says, I want to be known that I wrote... I wrote God's word. I, I, I spoke for the Lord. I was the sweet psalmist of Israel. Note, briefly, but just note, he's the anointed God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And so he's the son of David. So we have three names, Jesse, Jacob, and Israel. But what, is simu- what, what, what do we note about those names? Jacob and Israel are the same guy. When did Jacob get the name Israel? Well, when God struck him at the hip, at the river Jabbok, uh, he was coming ready to go back into the land, and God, God marked Jacob through a time that, that became a, a mark that would cause him to limp the rest of his life, so much so that the nation of Israel would never eat that part of an animal, again, the sinew of the thigh, because, because Jacob limped, and so they, 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 it was marked in their minds. He's the sweet psalmist of Israel. Through suffering, Jacob got a new name, Israel. And the name wasn't a name of suffering. The name was a name of blessing. Through Jacob's suffering was God's ultimate blessing. And David writes all these psalms. And David wrote all these psalms during the happiest, best, most glorious days of his life. When did David write most of those psalms? When things went south. You alone, O Lord! And through David's suffering... He found the place of God's usefulness to his life. So before David says anything to us about his last words, he wants to tell us who he was. And he wants to tell us, I was an ordinary guy that God raised up, put a mark upon, and used in significant ways through my most difficult moments. That's who I am. By the way, 
you're an ordinary person, that God has something very special for. He's put his mark upon you, and he will use you through your most difficult seasons. Four stages. They're all marked out here. But th- it doesn't end here. Look what it does next. It, 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 it goes on. And, and, and if you look at 23, you realize there's four more things here. He, he, de- de- he describes who he is, but now he says, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said... The rock of Israel spoke to me. David makes it clear that God is going to speak through his last words. And he makes it clear by not saying God is going to speak through my last four words. But David makes it clear by saying in four different ways God is going to speak. You see them here, don't you? He says, the Spirit of the Lord speaks. His word, not my word, His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said. Whatever it is that David's about to say, David doesn't want to take credit for it. David wants to know, you to know that whatever it is that he's about to say, it isn't something of his own volition or choice or desire, but it, this is what God is trying to say through my life. This is what the Spirit of the Lord... By the way, this is one of the strongest statements in the Old Testament about inspiration that you're going to find. Four consecutive times it, it says, this is God's Word, this is God's Word, this is God's Word, this is God's Word. So you know what we can know what comes next? This is God's Word coming next. <laughs> He he makes it really clear. This is the Lord speaking. I like the last little statement. It says, the rock. The rock of Israel. Where where do we hear that rock thing again? Rock, 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 rock. What's the immediate context to that rock thing? Do you remember back last chapter? Last chapter? Look. The Lord is my rock. Chapter 22, verse 1. He's my fortress. The God of my strength. This, he, he hearkens back to the entire theme of the previous psalm. The rock of Israel. The Lord is my rock. But you know what? He's, he's your rock. No, no, no. He's better than that. He's not just my rock. He's not just your rock. He's our rock. He's our rock. Look at the guy next to you. He's ours. He's ours. God's will for your life will never be at the expense of his will for somebody else's. See, God has something really good for you, but the guy down the road from you, it's going to cost him. No, no, God has something good. He's our rock. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna bring us all through this. Whatever it is. Uh, He is our rock. He speaks. His word. He has spoken. He has said it. 
whatever comes next must be really good. Well, let's just look and see what he says. He who rules over men must be just. Ruling in the fear of God. Now, notice that David does not write this about himself. He writes this about anybody in general who's in the position of ruling. But David is a ruler, and so he's describing someone who would rule, and so he's describing someone that would have the job that he's had, but he's describing the person that would have the job that he's had, and he's describing it by saying this about this. In other words, in the third person, David says, someone that would have done what I have tried to do, the thing they better have done was this. And this is what David says. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Uh, uh, There's another statement in the Bible. It kind of sounds like this. uh, 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 The beginning of wisdom is the... uh, Oh, let me... I'll I'll get it down here. It's somewhere in Proverbs. The beginning of wisdom is the uh, fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so, whatever your job is, Anybody, anybody here drive a truck? Anybody here drive a truck? The fear of the Lord is the key to being a good truck driver. Okay? Anybody here, anybody here uh, in construction and you build things? Raise your hand. You're in construction, you build things? The fear of the Lord is the key to being good at construction. Okay, you got that? A- anybody here teach in, in the school or do something like that? Okay. okay, raise your hand. The fear of the Lord is the key to being an effective teacher. And by the way, whatever job you have, raise your hand right now. The fear of the Lord is the key to your job. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not complicated. The fear of the Lord. And so after he, he says that, then he, he says something really marvelous. Look at this psalm. He dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes the grass to sprout from heaven. Did anybody, did anybody experience rain this week? I, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Was it Friday morning? Or was it Thursday morning? Whatever morning it was raining. I woke up at 4 o'clock and it was lightning storm. So I grabbed a blanket and I went out on the back porch and, and laid on a wicker chair and watched the lightning storm. It was cool. It was cool. It, it, how many of you like lightning storms? I, yeah, I think they're kind of cool. I like them especially when I'm safe in my house and I'm dry. But I, but I like them. They're fun. They're fun. Uh, and it rained. How many of you noticed that things kind of brightened up after that? He dawns on them. What time of day is dawn? It, this isn't hard. It's, it's, it's too early. I like the way Gibbs says it. It's too early. Like... Clouds like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning. Like rain that makes the grass sprout. What would you say is true of all three of these statements? They're looking at the early part of what it is they're looking at. They're looking at the early part of morning. They're looking at the early part of a cloudless morning. 
They're looking at the early part of a spring morning. This is all early. So say the word early with me. Early, early, early last words. Do you see that? Do you see what's you see that you see how the oddity of these? These are David's last words. And he's emphasizing early, early, early. But they're his what? Last words. How can your last words be your early words? Well, I haven't done it yet today, so I get my one opportunity now. I get to give you my Howard Brummy quote. Well, I have to tell you who Howard Brummy was. Howard Brummy was my mentor. He was 72 years old when I started to work for him. I was the associate pastor, and he was the old man that needed help. Actually, that's not true. He was the old man that could give me help. And he would take me around, and I remember him taking me in the hospital. He said, okay, this is how you do a hospital call. Here, come here, come here. And he'd walk through, and he'd tell me all sorts of different things, and, and he would mumble and such. He took me one time down to, what's the place down in, in, in old Russia, in Topeka? Pabruskis. He took me into Pabruskis and we ate sandwiches and such. And, and I was sitting there looking around. I, here I was, I mean, straight out of Bible college, you know, and such. I'm looking around, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm in a bar. I'm in a bar. And, and I'm thinking, I can't believe this. I'm in a bar. And we walk out of there, and Howard Brummy said, he goes, that's great food. Too bad it's a saloon. And we got in the car. <laughs> he was an old man. But he was young in heart to the very core of who he was. And he has helped to keep me young. He's been gone for years, and and nearly every day I quote him in my mind to stay young. And though he is old and gone and past, he's forever a memory of my youth and being young. And that's what David's talking about. He's saying, look, look to your legacy! Will you bring youth to the youth by how you've lived as an old? Let's just face it. Old people can get crotchety. Is that a Bible word? I don't know if it is. Old people can get where everything's, ah, done that before. I'm going to say a Roberta Hageman story, okay? Roberta Hageman had some cancer, and the doctor helped her with her cancer by giving her some estrogen. And she came into her Sunday school class one day, and she said, she said, she said, now I can say I'm a cancer survivor. And not only that, I'm on birth control. <laughs> This, this is a key to spirituality that is so overlooked. God keeps us young. 
And when we walk with him, the, 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 the life comes out of us. Now David turns the attention to himself. And he, and he asks this profound question. Notice the first statement and the third statement are both questions. They're rhetorical questions that David is asking of himself and of his life and of what he's done. And at the end of it all, is this true? For does not my house stand so with God? For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desires? See, you don't get to make self-judgment. My life's been a success. Everybody else decides whether your life's been a success or not. They're the ones that get to draw that card. See, your kids will decide if you were a good parent or not. You might think you were a good parent. But years from now, your kids will decide, yeah, my mom and my dad. See, and so David is asking these questions in a rhetorical way. Does my, is, this, is this where my house rests? But notice the middle statement is not a rhetorical question. The middle statement is just that. It's a statement. For he has made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, secure. I tell you what, I've let go of God so many times, but I want you to know this. God has never let go of me. And then I'm, man, I'm not kidding you. If there's something good about walking with God, it's this. I, my grip slips, my grip falters, my grip wanes, but God holds on. Notice too, Both of the questions have a negative. For does not my house? For will he not cause? But the middle statement. There's no negative with God. All things in Christ are yes and amen. He's good. He's there. And then out of the midst of this, David's last words really take a turn. But the sons of the rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away. Uh, Someone read it from the New King James. For worthless men, worthless men, sons of the rebellion, shall all be as thorns thrust away. That's a good translation if it weren't for one small, just a small problem, just a small problem. The word men does not appear in this verse. The translators look at this and they go, worthless, worthless, worthless men. Or, or, okay, maybe it's not worthless. The, the, the most worthless thing is, is, is rebellion. So, sons of rebellion. But let's read the verse 
without the word men in there. But worthlessness is all like thorns that are thrown away. They cannot be taken with the hand. Have you ever been out walking through the woods and you grabbed a bush to move it out of the way and it was a thorn bush? That was a wonderful experience. Ah! Can I ask you a really simple question? What are you trying to grab a hold of with life? What are you trying to grab a hold of? There's a lot of stuff in life that's just absolutely worthless and we make it seem like everything. And we grab a hold of it. Wish I wouldn't have taken hold of that. What's David saying? I think David's saying something like this. The stuff that I reached out to grab instead of going to God has cost me holes in my hand, in my life, in my life experience, and it's caused me pain that I cannot fully describe. In fact, there's some things I've taken a hold of I wish I never would have even touched. When I could have taken a hold of God. Do you sympathize with David? Boy, I do. I do. They shall be utterly burned with fire. I want to give you a good word. All the stuff that has scarred you in eternity, God will remove. The only scars in heaven will be the scars on Jesus. Because this makes it possible. Not not this, but what this represents, what this reminds us of, what this takes us back to. There'll come a day that we will be whole. There'll come a day when the pardon will be full. There'll come a day when we will live full. For he has made with me an everlasting covenant.
one of the names of Jesus. Just one of them. Son of man. Son of David. He'll make us whole. Well, you never get a second chance to make a lasting impression. What will be the lasting impression of your life? Will you take hold of the thorns? Or will you take hold of the one who was crowned with thorns? Who rescued you? Who calls to you? Who anoints you even through your suffering? And take up your cross and follow him. You never get a second chance to make a lasting impression. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, may our lives be lived not for the things of worthlessness that surround us, that tempt us, that call to us continually. But may our lives be lived grabbing hold of Jesus, putting him to the center. The fear of the Lord be the center of our lives. The reverent due respect toward a Savior who with full redemption paid our price. Come unto me, Jesus says, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May we take hold of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.